Welcome to the Theology in Practice podcast, a podcast that takes theology and applies it to the everyday life. I'm your host, Anthony Kidd, and I want to thank you for joining me in this week's discussion. Welcome back. As we continue in John's Gospel, we are finishing up John chapter 3, where we're going to be looking at John's comments after following the testimony of John the Baptist. The big idea in this section is that in John 3, verses 22 through 36, John is drawing comparisons of John the Baptist and Jesus as he has been building from chapter 1. The point of this section is to point to the preeminence of Christ over all. This preeminence can be seen in eight comparisons through the first three chapters. Each of these comparisons points to either Christ's supremacy, Christ's testimony, or to Christ's authority. These are the eight comparisons that we see. First, both baptize, but only Jesus' baptism brings true spiritual cleansing. That's in John 1, 26, 3, verse 22 through 25, and chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Number two, both are rabbis, but only Jesus is the true and greater teacher. We see this in 149, 3, 2, and 3, 25. Number three, both are in the wedding, but only Jesus is listed as the groom. We see that in 3, verse 28 and 29. Number four, both are on the earth, but only Jesus comes from above and is superior. We see that in the beginning of 1, verses 1 through 3, 1, 14, and 3, 31. Number five, both bear witness, but only Jesus bears witness with firsthand information. This is in uh, 11, 3.11, and 3.32. Number six, both proclaim, but only Jesus' words have ultimate authority. That's in 3.34. Number seven, both have authority, but only Jesus' authority is worthy of full submission. That's in 3.35. And number eight, both are sent from God, but only Jesus is God in the flesh. That's from 1, 1 through 8, 1, 14, and 3, 34. Now let's look at each of these three divisions, the supremacy, the testimony, and the authority of Christ. First, let's look at the supremacy of Christ. In verse 31, John comes right out of the gate, stating the supremacy of Christ over all. He is supreme because he is from above and therefore over all. This admission of Christ being from above should remind the reader of John 3.3 when Jesus says that to see the kingdom of God, one must be born from above. The contrast is that Jesus is from above and John is from the earth, which we saw in statement number four. While both of them are on the earth, only John is from the earth. Said differently, John is important, but Jesus is superior because he is from above. Because the supremacy rests on Christ, All of what John speaks needs to be sorted and sifted through the words of Christ. The supremacy of Christ is easy to state, but not so easy to accept. When we accept the supremacy of Christ, we adjust our lives accordingly. The question that this presents us with is, do the actions of our lives reflect the fact that Christ is supreme? Does what we do accurately line up with what we say? Many times, people today will live like functional atheists where their words and their actions do not properly align. This is why the world so often throws the charge of hypocrites onto Christians. What they say and what they do tell two completely different stories. If we truly believe in the supremacy of Christ, then our actions will reflect this belief. 
Now let's look at the testimony of Christ. Back in chapter 1, we read of John the Baptist's testimony about Christ being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We also read in the prologue that Christ testified about himself. He did so by becoming God incarnate and taking on flesh. A testimony is a first-hand account of specific events. Growing up, you may remember the telephone game. This game often produced comical phrases that were rarely close to the original statement. This is not what we get from the testimony of Jesus. Because Jesus is from heaven, his testimony is a first-hand experience of the kingdom of God. This is why John writes that Jesus bears witness to what he has seen and heard. Remember, no one has ever seen God except the only God who is at the Father's side. That's from John 1, verse 18. Jesus utters these words because Jesus is God. We are also told that no one receives his testimony, that is the testimony of Jesus. Then immediately following it says that whoever does receive Jesus' testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. To set a seal was an early method of verifying or protecting information. When a letter would be sent from one leader to another, they would often fold the letter and put wax on it to keep it from unfolding. Then they would imprint on the wax a seal that would verify who the letter was from and also that the receiver of the letter would know that the letter had not been tampered with. Jesus is the sealed promise from heaven. When we believe in his name, we set our seal on him and we verify his testimony through our lives. Finally, let's look at the authority of Christ. Having already placed Jesus above all, that's from verse 31, we now read that God has given all things into his hand in verse 35. This points directly to the authority that Jesus has. Jesus is superior in every way over all things. He is the one who makes sense out of our lives. He is truth. He is reality. He is the one to which our lives must align. To live contrary to this rule is to live in constant frustration and chaos. It is to live contrary to our created purpose. It is to fight against the wind. It is futile and hopeless. It not only leads to the opposition of God, but it also leads to the frustration of life. Therefore, if we want to experience true life, true joy, and true peace, we must submit to Jesus. Submission to Jesus is where belief and obedience collide. An integral part of belief is obedience. The two cannot be divorced from each other. True faith in Jesus is always accompanied by obedience to his word. Verse 36 is a restatement of verses 16 through 18. Jesus is not our Savior or Lord. Jesus is the Savior and Lord. Our lives should be an obedient testimony to the authority that Christ has. This is the clear teaching of Scripture as represented in the following verses. Acts 6-7 says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Romans 1.5 says, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Romans 16.26 says, But has now been dis disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. 
2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8 says, And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Hebrews 5, 9 says, And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And finally, 1 Peter 4.17 says, For it is time for judgment to begin on the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Once again, John has presented us with the question, What will you do with Jesus? To those who receive his testimony, he grants eternal life. To those who do not obey, or as the CSB says, to those who reject Christ, the wrath of God remains on them. This is how John closes this section of his gospel and prepares to set up the next section. I want to thank you for joining me for Theology and Practice. Our prayer is that God's Word would penetrate into your heart and continue you on your journey of sanctification as you seek to be more like Christ.